Welcome to our June 19th worship service from North Coast United Methodist Church. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Today as we look at these words of Dr. Seuss and we talk about what it means to serve a limitless love, I pray that our hearts be moved and stirred. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you through this service. Amen. Please join together in our call to worship. With limitless love, Christ calls us to worship. With limitless love, Christ welcomes us here. With limitless love, Christ invites us to love one another. Amen. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'd be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, teach the children to stop fighting, start uniting. Live as one, let's get together, share love forever, sanctuary for you. When he comes, in shouts of glory and our time on earth is done how i long to hear him saying faithful servant well done to the nations i'll follow you lord be exalted be adored come lord jesus and lead your people to all nations, to all lands. It is you, Lord, who came to save the heart and soul of all creation it is you lord who knows my weakness who gives me strength 
by thine own hand. Lead me on, Lord, from temptation. Purify me from within. Fill my heart with your Holy Spirit. Take away all of my sin. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Join together in prayer as you have welcomed us to worship, loving God of grace. Help us welcome all who enter here. Help us receive your welcome so fully that our welcome and inclusion of others go beyond logic, beyond limitation, and beyond expectation. Help us take risk in ways we could never imagine, to extend love to people we might have never imagined knowing. Help us welcome others as fully as you welcome us. Amen. Let's join together in the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm he is Lord Lord of all when darkness seems to hide his face and rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil my anchor holds within the veil Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm he is Lord Lord of all Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone. than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name.
but only trust in Jesus' name. Let's join together in our words of assurance. Clothed in Christ's grace, we are well loved, forgiven, and restored. That we may love one another well, welcome all with grace, and work with Christ to restore the world with justice and love for all. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Thank you, God, for the inspiration of this word of men. Let's join together in prayer. Precious and loving God, we thank you for the ways that you build us, the ways that you repair us, the way that you make us whole, the ways that you help us find our whole pure identities. God, thank you for blessing us with chances of restoration. Today, as we look at this scripture, as we move through a delicate conversation on what we call unclean, but what you have cleaned, precious God, open our eyes that we see the beauty and majesty of your work. In your son's precious name, I pray. Amen. What a blessing it is to go through this scripture with you today. I'm going to read it one more time so I can process it one more time before I move into this uh, conversation with you today. We're looking at Acts chapter 10 verses 9 through 16. We're continuing through the moments after the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So here we go. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on a roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being laid down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice called him, Peter. Get up, kill, and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Then the voice spoke to him 
a second time. Do not call anything impure that I have made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. There's a scripture again. And we're going to look at this in many different and varying ways because there's one phrase in this that jumps out at me and there's multiple ways that I see this phrasing askewed. There's different ways that I see us kind of stepping back on things. There, There's so many different ways that I feel that we need to address this one clear statement. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to share with you my outline. And those of you that have watched these videos, those of you that come to the worship services, you don't see me reading notes. Today I do have the scripture directly behind my camera. But normally what I do instead of re reciting a pre-written text, I use an outline. I pontificate the points towards each other and sew the sermon together through a series of an outlined thought pattern. So I'm going to share with you my outline thought pattern first. The introduction, the thing that, that I want us to hold focus on through this, the main thesis of this conversation today is, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So there's the beginning. Now here's where the outline is going to break down. The first part of this outline is I want us to look at that statement. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. On a personal level, I want to look at it in places of ministry or an outreach level. And then I want us to look at it this third magnificent way is what potential exists when we're willing to look at things through the potential of God-made purity, and where can we take the gospel to places that we've never, ever thought possible? So there's a personal, there's the interpersonal conflict, we'll talk about it. There is the communal, there is the ways that we look at other communities and other dear friends. And then the third section is the potential of outreach and care that flows through all that. So, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. There's a blessing that I want to share with you. I'm going to share with you two Bible verses that you have heard me share over and over and over and over and over again. The first one is this. It's Romans. It's Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul shares in the book of Romans that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believeth in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you sh shall be saved. For it's our mouth we confess to righteousness and with our hearts we believe unto salvation. So, bam, what do we do? We believe and we confess. Justifying grace. That's what John Wesley would call it. There's something we believe, we look towards it, and then we confess it with our words and our actions. We live with it. The other, quite clearly, is the world's most famous Bible verse. John 3, 16 and 17. I can never just read 16. I always have to add 17. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, we have some actions. If you want a bullet point response, if we even look towards our Wesleyan tradition, as I just shared, justifying grace, if you want an ABC, A, believe in your heart and respond. B, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. And then the beauty part is C, is that we have this place of restoration when we, through our Wesleyan tradition of justifying grace, that we acknowledge the existence of God and we actively, vibrantly respond to God. So, bam, one, two, three. When that the jailer asked, how do I receive freedom to heaven? How will I be saved? There's your answer, Pam. So, here's the layout. And even I deal with this at times, and I've dealt with it with other people. There's times that we allow our journey to outweigh what God has prepared for us. For an example, once upon a time, I did this. Once upon a time, I did that. Once upon a time, this mistake happened. And we have all these roadblocks that we put in our lives, but there is a moment of confessed recognition, justifying grace. When we wholeheartedly respond to what Jesus Christ has already done for us, when we wholeheartedly react and respond to what Jesus Christ has done, using the words of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus, and looking at the world's famous Bible verse, John 3.16, whosoever, that word's important, believes in him shall be saved. We are all whosoevers. We all move on these journeys. And we exist within this understanding, again, our Wesleyan phrasing of justifying grace is to wholeheartedly respond to the reality and the actions that Jesus Christ has already done for us. So there's, there is repentance in that. There's, there's a conversion in that. There is a restoration in that. So when we're on this path and we have this wholehearted focus to respond to Jesus Christ, there's a wholeness in that. And sometimes I have caught myself damaging the wholeness of that, because Mike Davis is Mike Davis's favorite punching bag. And I belittle the creation that God made within me. I believe I belittle the, the abilities that God has placed in my life to, to be a caregiver and a, a presenter of the gospel message. I, I belittle my place and my abilities and as we look at this scripture, as we look at Acts 10, as we think about this, do not call anything impure that God has made clean, there exists within us the necessity of having a celebration. We have a celebration that God truly did love us enough to die for us, that when we look at John 3.16, we all exist in the whosoevers. And there's a blessing in that, because what happens is, when I belittle myself, when we think that we're not worthy 
of this divine grace. We are calling impure something that God desires to make clean. Even if we made a mistake. Even if we said the wrong thing at the wrong moment. There is a place of restoration within the reality of what grace is. And when we get to these moments of, when we get to these moments of confessing with our mouths and believing in our hearts, when we get to this moment that we, that we proclaim that we're the whosoevers, we don't get to say that we're not worthy anymore. It's our call. It's like justifying grace. It is our call to respond. So that's the first thing. That's the personal level. And the personal level is God's made you clean. So stop saying that you're unclean. Focus on what that Jesus Christ has done for us and move towards that and the wholeness of justifying grace. Okay. Now the community, the people that exist outside of us, because we exist in a reality that for us to be comfortable with what we believe in, everything has to go the path of what we believe in. For an example, if I say XYZ is right and true, I need XYZ to be right and true, or the house of cards that I have constructed for myself will fall down. And I begin to look outside of me, and I see images of individuals that walk a different path than I do. I see images of individuals who step out and proclaim God's name in ways that I had never fathomed. I step out and see people that, that in all honesty, that walk in places of brokenness, just as I walk in a place of brokenness. But they were able to find those places of restoration and celebrate it. And sometimes within the human condition, when we see something that exists outside of our own self-imposed understanding, we attack it. We tear it down. We say that something is impure because it doesn't fit five by five. It doesn't fit in our little boxes. So, instead of seeing the whosoevers, we start to proclaim who is unclean. And that doesn't help. It only creates hurt and strife. It creates an atmosphere that limits the possibility of an individual feeling the loving affirming, inclusive presence of Jesus Christ. It limits the possibility for someone else to find that they have a place at the altar of grace. When we begin to see things as the unclean and not the whosoevers, we begin to separate the potential of care. We see it in the scriptures. We see it in the moment that the lady comes to the table of Jesus Christ and asks for her assistance, and we see the disciples say to Jesus Christ, tell her to go away. We see the language and the presentation of displaying that someone is unclean. We see it when the lady is caught in adultery and brought the Christ. We see it in that. As we see the lady 
at the well in the conversation with Christ, we see that she shares those feelings of being unclean, that she's not supposed to talk to Christ. But Christ shows restoration and gives her the living water. So we, we see all this action, even scripturally. We see this action in the disciples. I mean, I mean, literally, I, I named very directly the lady that comes to the table and the disciples ask her to go away. So Christ tell her to go away. I mean, we even see it when the children come into the temple and they tell the children to go away, but Christ has them to come forward and then uses them as the example of true care. We have spent so much time proclaiming that others are unclean instead of looking at them as the whosoevers. So that gets us to this third place. When we don't see the worthiness within our lives that grace creates, when we look at others as the impure and not the whosoevers, then we don't do ministries that we should do. There's so many conversations about the ways that we should do ministry. I'm, it, in my entire existence of being in the church, I have been a part of conversations about whether or not to have a guitar and a drum set and a worship service have watched people walk out of the building just because they see a guitar. I have been in worship services that have addressed r- racial inclusion. I grew up in a denomination where female pastors still don't exist, and I exist currently in a denomination that is going through the active struggle of LGBTQIA individuals becoming pastoral leaders. I have seen the journey of where if I feel unclean, then I hold on to everything that makes me feel happy, and that becomes my box. And if anything doesn't fit in that box, it moves to the second section, which is the things that I begin to say is unclean because they don't exist in my comfort level. And the more that we say that things are unclean, we begin to limit the areas that we go to serve and care for Jesus Christ. Somewhere, sometime, someplace, A United Methodist Church started the conversation of female pastors. Amen. Sometime, somewhere, someplace, a mission care-driven person had the first AIDS ministry that came into existence. And amen. Somewhere, sometime, someplace, an individual saw the needs of homelessness and made it a ministry. God bless. Somewhere, sometime, someplace, individuals saw people not having enough food and they made it a ministry and God bless. Somewhere, sometime, someplace, a individual looked at someone not as the unclean, but as the whosoever and created a new ministry, a new potential of hope a new potential of care. And see, this whole thing, this whole conversation, it starts personally. 
It starts with the reality that God so loved Mike Davis that he gave his only begotten son. And if I can get to that place that I know that Mike Davis exists in this realm of grace, then I can see that others exist there too. And I move into that realm of the others and I no longer see them as the unclean. I see them as the whosoever's and it affects the interaction. I'm more willing to listen to them and I'm more willing to listen to their journeys. And I'm willing to have conversations with them because I see them as the whosoever's. And the more people I can see as a whosoever that spans the ministries that I participate in. I gave you a laundry list of things. But the more that I am willing to see a whosoever, I am willing to see the all nations. So we look at this. We look at the I. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with my heart that I shall be saved, I will be saved. For with my mouth I confess the righteousness of my heart, believe in salvation. Then I step out of the eye and I move to the community. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. I step out of the eyes and I see the whole, the whosoevers. And then I finally get to the Great Commission that God commanded us to go into all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I move through the I, I get to the whosoevers, and then I can grow and move into the all nations. So I ask you to pray over that today. I ask you to work through that, to flush through that reality within your own life. And once again, laying out my my bullet points. I am worthy of grace. Whosoever is worthy of grace. And then I can take that grace to all nations. Let's build on those things together. Let's, let's have those conversations. And thank you for listening to me. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God is love. Amen. As we've moved into our time of offering, we'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.
Let's join together in our prayer of giving. Accept these offerings in gratitude and praise for the many blessings we have received from your hand. Accept the gift of our love and our pledge to love others as you have loved us. Amen. You are holy, 
Thank you once again for joining us today in worship. Let's join together in our closing benediction. Clothed in Christ, we go in love. Clothed in Christ, we go in peace. Clothed in Christ, we go to change the world. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God is love. Amen.